Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Well, good morning. Uh, those who don't know, I'm Tim Darnell. I'm from Hill Country Church. But I'm here today just to be with you, part of Legacy Church. And But Jay told me that, it's like, whatever you feel and just go for it. So Joel from Sozo in San Marcos is going to be up here in a minute. And we're going to stay right there worthy of it all. So y'all can just stay in that key. I'm going to tell you a little story. I think it's a, it's a prophetic story declaration and direction you know for a direct for prophetic people it doesn't always mean we prophesy over everything prophetic means you understand what god is doing and in september of this year we were in our pre-service prayer time and if you've ever been to our place it's pretty fiery over there pre-service prayer and and timothy our my son is our college pastor he came in and he goes dad i I feel like we're supposed to honor the martyrs in Afghanistan. And I was like, well, we'll just see what God's doing. But he just kept pushing. He's like, I know we're supposed to honor the martyrs in Afghanistan. And so I said, man, you just go do what you sing your heart. And he got up there and he just began to thank the Lord for the lives of those who were being martyred. And, you know, sometimes people are doing stuff and, and you're not really paying attention. Anyone ever been there? hopefully no one's there right now and all of a sudden though I heard the Holy Spirit say I want to make this more real to you and all of a sudden there was a martyr from Afghanistan standing in front of me and he said Jesus is worthy Yes, he is. and then he just looked at me again and he goes Tim I want you to know Jesus is worthy he's worthy of my life he was he's worthy uh, and then he said, I've seen him, and I want to tell you, he's worthy. He's worthy. He just kept saying it over and over. For the next 15 minutes, I had this crazy interaction. He just kept saying, he's worthy. I want you to know he's worthy. He's worthy. He, Tim, I've seen him, and he's worthy. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your prayer right now. He's worthy of your affection. And so I don't ever want to sing a song like this and be like, third song in the list, he's worthy of it all. Like, no, he's worthy. Yes, he is. And heaven right now has never got over the fact that he's worthy. Revelation 4 says they're singing he's worthy right now. For all eternity, they're saying, oh, Jesus, you're worthy. And so I just want to implore us this morning not to let it just be a moment but here's my life jesus you're worthy of it all so i'm just gonna ask y'all just to go back into that and i just let's just all just raise our hands for a minute you're worthy of our praise you're worthy of our lives you're worthy of of all things jesus you're worthy as we've been singing worthy of it all you know, all means all, right? It's not just you're worthy of this song, but it's actually you're worthy of it all, like my whole life. And as I was just walking around the room earlier, I was, I was praying, I was asking God, tell me what's going on in this room? And I felt like God said this about you, Legacy Church. 
that there is a real maturity in this room. And the thing about maturity is maturity doesn't come easily. It actually comes with stripes on your back. I felt like God said this about you, that you have endured really, really well, that you've faced hardship and that you have paid the price for your maturity with perseverance. And you see the, those elders, as they were throwing down their crowns before Jesus, as they continually do that, what they're doing is they're saying, the reward that you have given me, I lay down before you. Because you're worth what I paid for to get this crown. And I feel like some of you are worn out because you have persevered really well and it's time to throw the crown before him. To lay down your crown and say, Jesus, it was worth it. It was worth facing that ridicule to endure. It was worth choosing well and laboring in marriage so that you could be honored. It was worth fighting temptation. It was worth taking a stand for righteousness. It was worth loving my kids through that hard season when I really just wanted to scold them. It was worth that hard time. It was worth giving until it felt like there was nothing left because you're actually worthy of my all. And I feel like the, the song for us is I exalt thee. That, that we would just begin to just say, okay, Jesus, you're worth it all. And so now I exalt thee. And so let's just sing. We don't need any instruments. Let's just begin to sing. I exalt thee and, and give him that place of endurance, that place of pain, that place of struggle, that crown that you've been carrying and laboring for in order to make it through what God's called you to. Let's sing. I exalt thee, I love thee, Lord. I exalt thee, I exalt thee, oh Lord. I exalt thee. Let's lift up your voice right now and say, Jesus, I love you. We love you, Jesus, with all our heart. Yes, Lord, we do. Yes, Lord. There's none like you, God. There's none like you, God. 
I just thank you, Father, that there's a grace in the room for expansion. There's a grace in the room to explore the depth and the love and the width of your love, but also to explore the kingdom. I just pray this morning, Lord God, as our eyes are now open in wonder of who you are, yes, God. now you can show us things. Father, I just just hear you saying, I've been dying to show my kids what I have for them. I just see him, he's got this sense of anticipation. I just want to show you what is possible when heaven shows up. Father, we're We're grateful that we're going to end up in eternity with you. But our goal is not to leave this earth just to get to heaven. (laughs) Bring heaven here. Bring the fullness of your kingdom, Lord God. Lord God, we just we're, we're like the children of Israel that are entering into the promised land. And there was a tri- there was three tribes that, that had their inheritance on the other side of the Jordan River, and they had already received their inheritance. But you said, now go fight with your brothers until all of the promised land, until all of the promised land is conquered and occupied. Father God, we're not going to be those who just sit back because you set us free. We're not just going to sit back because we know that we spend eternity with you, God. But we will be the wild ones that will say, wherever you go, we'll go. Wherever you tell us to go. We are not satisfied because our city is still underneath darkness. We're not satisfied if our region is still full of sick people. We're not satisfied if there's another name that's being lifted up, Lord. Send us as your sons and your daughters to free. We just say, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Let it begin in us and let it expand through this entire region into the fullness of the earth. Until the earth is covered with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the oceans. Yes, Lord, cover with the glory. We just love you, Jesus. We just love you. And we just declare this right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen. Somebody give him a shout of praise one more time. Come on. All right, family. Obviously, we did a little bit different flow today because I want to really give the Lord enough time and maximum time for us to spend time together with you guys. Really excited about what God's going to do. I felt like there was something about honoring what they're going to pour out together. And what you don't know is behind the scenes in my life, they've poured into me. Um, They've loved me. They've prayed with me. They've warred with me. Uh, We've dreamt together. We've explored together. We've done life together because we knew a few years ago that the Lord said, um, that we're, we've got these prophetic words about working together in, in the region. And we were sitting in Tim's office. Was that five years ago? It was right five years ago. And we knew, like, well, what the, the, the model we had at that time is we'll do a school for supernatural ministry together in the region. It'd be really easy to do down here. And we're in a meeting. We're just playing in what that looks like. And I feel like we could do really good because of the gifting in the room. And the fear of the Lord came in the room and said, no, 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 no. 
You first have to be able to live and die with one another first, like love one another, so into this thing about heart connection before you go do a ministry thing because I'm doing something new. And, and we've been unpacking what this looks like for years. Every time we get together, it's like, hey, have you figured out what the new thing is that we're doing together? And, and the reality is it's this. It, it's life. It's relationship. It's prayer. And so um, I, I've, I had in a, a dream in my heart to, to bring us together like in a conference setting. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You need to do it in family setting first. And so they're here a few weeks ago. Um, I talked to you about uh, Ephesians 4, talking about the fivefold ministry, and the, the fivefold ministry is here to equip the saints for the work of ministry, but also to build up the church and courage. But there's something about this level up into the full stature, the measure of Jesus. Joel carries a way of thinking with the Lord unlike anyone I've ever met. He's got this grace on his life of thinking, not just in wisdom, but, but he processes things from a heavenly place that every time I'm around him, I learn how to be a greater leader. But, but more importantly, I learn how to be a better father. Um, I watch him with his kids, and it's amazing. I watch him with his wife. It's amazing. I watch him with, with, with my kids or with family and stuff. It's amazing to watch, and, and it comes down into this, the, the ability that he has to, to think with the mind of Christ. And so just today, I really believe that your, your ability to, to think differently is going to raise up. And what you have to do is be willing to receive that um, in, a, in a new way. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just prophetically grab your head and say, this is the way I used to think. Now take off the lid and throw it down, okay? Because, because the Lord's going to pour out a grace that's going to cause you to think differently. Uh, Tim is like Paul to me. Um, I feel like I've been a Barnabas and he's been like Paul and there's something that in this relationship as we are making transitions in church that every time I look to him, I, I find courage and I find strength and I find boldness. He, he carries a boldness in the faith like no other man I've met. And, and anytime I feel like, you know, like oh, maybe I should just back down or maybe it's just kind of overwhelming, I, I'll get a text from Tim and like, hey, I was praying for you and the Lord said to do this. And it's just like this, this encouragement pours into me every time. But also Tim has a way to command. Um, I, I feel like the way he's given this governance as a general in the faith that whenever he's on the battlefield and the Lord will move his heart and he'll blow a trumpet, he'll, he'll give directions and all of a sudden the arrows will go flying or the cavalry will move forward or, or pull back. It's like the, the Tim carries this anointing for, for, for governance over the kingdom in a way that is, is just amazing. And every time I walk away, I feel like I've become fuller because of it. So I, I wish I could describe in the time that we have, and there's no way what's on these life. And here's the thing. They're so humble, I'm making them uncomfortable, and I know it. <laughs> and I'm doing it on purpose because, because they are humble. He says, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Like, you'll be lifted up. And, and I'm just telling you right now, they are worth, Jesus is worthy. Okay? But I'm going to tell you, these men are worthy of honor. Receive an apostle in the name of an apostle, and you'll receive a reward. There's a grace that's on their life that's going to be poured out today. And we don't even know where we're going. We're just going to, we're going to go after it, too. So once, um, I, first fruits offering, leave it in the offering box, okay, on your way out. I want to give us the maximum amount of time on this thing. So once y'all just give a warm welcome and welcome these guys up.
Should we lower our seats? Jay's mistreating Joel by putting his chair in the kids area. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in the kids section. I feel like I got invited up to the, the big kids or the adults table, but, but I still got the kids chair. So this is this is good. Thank you, Jay. You know, the the kingdom is, is family. In fact, it's why Jesus, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, he didn't say, you pray to my father. In fact, he didn't even say, you pray to your father. He said, pray to our father. Which means this, a couple of really good things. One, that we get the same kind of access to the father that Jesus got. Two, that we get it together, and it's not just an individual thing. And so what we share among each other here, what we get to share, even our three churches and what God's doing in the church in this region in the world it is shared. And because it's not simply about family, but it's about kingdom family. And I know you guys know this really well. Papa Jack has uh, been your papa, been mine. And he would say something like this, that if God wanted something other than a family, he would have called himself something other than father. You've probably heard him say that. But what God's after is, is not just a family that does a holy huddle, but he's actually after kingdom family, which means family business. That what we're actually called to corporately is kingdom family business. And for some of us, that makes us uncomfortable because we just want to kumbaya until we get on out of here. But what Jay was saying earlier is what God actually wants, is that he wants us to be an apostolic people, to be sent in such a way that we bring heaven into the earth. And so I, I think a big part of our time is really just to commission you to be kingdom family. That's really good. I, I believe this, that Joel is a, is a really amazing balance for me because sometimes I smell war and run for it. And that's okay. You know, we're made to war. We're made to take things. I want to take land that the enemy has taken from the kingdom of God, from God's people, from your lives. I want you to take land back. I want you, but the only way to really do that is first to know who you are, and that only happens in family. Mm -hmm. And if we become militant without identity, it's the most dangerous thing we can be. Whew. And so we have to have family that begins to teach us our identity so that we know our inheritance. We know our inheritance, then you'll fight for it, right? And so I, Joel's always reminded me the piece, I love it. Hey, it's family, and I'm like, it's business, right? But together, it's family business. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I'm about my father's business, right? Yep. So he didn't just say, I want a family that gets together and plays cards and does Thanksgiving dinner together. He said, I want a family that actually starts a vineyard. Has a wine press. Yes. Knows what harvest looks like. Works for harvest. And if you, if you squeeze me very long, it's always going to be about harvest. Because if we, if we don't pursue harvest, what are we handing the next generation? Yeah. We're handing them, oftentimes, the, the lack of pursuit of harvest turns into just religion. Right. Trying to maintain, let's just maintain our people. Let's maintain this, this group. Let's maintain this room. 
But I'm going to tell you, this room is not big enough to hold what God wants to do. Yep, yep, yep. But if, even if our goal is to let's double in size, that's wrong too. It's harvest. It's people. It's God. He's looking for us to go after people. And that's only going to come back from the revelation, though, as, wait a minute, I'm his kids, and I have his heart for people. And so we just want to come and just pour out a little bit on you today. Honestly, if you ask us, like, what we're going to talk about, um, we just said, let's ask the Holy Spirit where he wants to take us. And so I think I'm going to just share for just a second on um, something God showed me, because, again... We have to know what God is doing, like the men of Issachar. It says that the men of Issachar knew what God was doing, and they knew what to do with it as well. The church has oftentimes known what God is saying, but they haven't known what to do with it. And the danger is if we feel like we know what God is saying, but we don't do anything with it, we become stagnant. And so I just, early in the year... You know, I'm sure just like you and just at Sozo, all the churches, we were just pushing. And God, what are you saying for 2022? 2020 and 2021 were unique. Are we all alive? Like, they were unique, right? Very unique. And in the church world, you know, like the whole, the, the word went through, like the reset buttons getting pressed and all those things. But for me, I was like, okay, but what's it getting reset to? You know, like, it's okay to use the word reset, but we've got to know what we're resetting to, and it better be to Jesus. And so we just, you know, this last few years, we've just been asking the Lord, and, and I, I heard this phrase late in December for our place, but I feel like the Lord is just stirring me up to talk about it. It was to dig wells and redig wells, and then to drink deeply. And I think that oftentimes we... We categorize those out like, oh, it's time to redig wells. No, he was telling me we can do three things at once. We're going to redig, we're going to dig, and we're going to drink. Because if you do the work without the drinking, it's not the kingdom. And so we just begin to push into that. And then, um, you know, we begin to share and we, talk to, we begin to talk about the well of prayer that the Lord was just telling us, no, you will redig and dig this well in our, in our place. It's going to be about prayer, it's going to be about what God's doing. Um, but then on January 18th, I was in a prayer meeting because we're just obeying, right? I mean, obedience is what takes you into the next steps. So we're in there praying, and, you know, I would love to say there was like 100 people there. There was eight of us because it was a Tuesday afternoon, and, and we were just having a midday prayer, and, and we're in there just praying. All of a sudden, I just had this vision, and if, if you know me at all, I really, I love to hear the Lord. I rarely see visions. But I was like in another place. And all of a sudden I saw the Lord and he was fitting our church with gloves. How many of you work with your hands in here or have done construction before? How many of you know a good pair of gloves is important? I'm not talking like the dollar gloves that you give the volunteers when they come to work day. Like you know the ones that you couldn't do anything with if you had to because they, all they are is for comfort. They're just to make sure you don't get blisters. That's it. They're not really there to help you work. That wasn't the gloves I'm talking about. I heard the Lord say, I'm fitting the church with leather gloves. I'm fitting them to them. And I, I saw these gloves going on. First of all, it was our church. And all of a sudden, I looked. And on the left hand was written the word energy. And on the right hand was written the word anointing. And he said, 
I'm fitting the church with energy and anointing to dig. I'm fitting them. And, and I just, I, I kept hearing the word fitted, fitted. The only time that is actually used in the Greek in the New Testament is where it says he's fitted your feet with the gospel. And I began to see like the Lord is into us doing the family business, but he wants to give us the ability, the energy, and the anointing to do it. He doesn't want to commission you without the tools. And so I just began to, and then it pulled back and I saw the Lord and he said, hey, you're going to be a first fruit of what I'm doing among the church. And I saw other churches. I saw Sozo. I saw you guys. I, I saw our region being fitted with gloves saying, hey, it's time to dig. It's time to go after the things of God and not just what we know. I mean, it's easy just to drink. It's easy just to drink, but it's time to dig. And then when we hit new water, drink. And I, I really feel like that's important to share this morning. I, I hope you guys want to jump off that for a minute. Go ahead. Yeah. I heard somebody say the other day that if you wait to dig a well until you're thirsty, it's too late. And, and some of us have been like, you know, I'm okay with God. I'm not, I'm not that thirsty. I've got what I need. And so we haven't done, done the, the passionate work or the passionate discipline of digging our own well so that we have something to drink when we get thirsty. And I feel like there's an invitation in that to press into intimacy because intimacy leads to identity and then identity shows you what your inheritance is. And so I've, I've heard a lot of people say, prophetic people say that, that 2022, is, it's about returning to our first love. Have you heard that, anybody? Here, here's, here's what we miss in that. Our, our first love, to return to our first love, is actually not to return to loving, but to being loved. And I feel like the invitation to dig a deep well is actually to recognize how loved we really are. And I think that's the place of intimacy that leads us into identity because we're face to face with him. And so we know who we are. And from that, we then move into inheritance. We're like, hey, that's what I'm called to. That's what he's given me. That belongs to me. And now I'm going to go and respond to it. Take it. And I think when you're talking about digging, we talked about it when we met at Joel's house on Friday, is what it requires is a, is a spirit of exploration. We're, we're all sitting in this room because there was, there was men and women who, who had it in their heart to go to a land they'd never been to before, right? It, 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 they, they may have heard about it or there was reports, but there was this spirit of exploration uh, to, to go and explore. And when they got there, it was a wild land. And, the, and there was already people here, obviously. But there was this, this whole exploration movement across the states or, or whether it was going into the South and Central America. And I feel like what we're talking about is, is that part of redigging wells is going back into this place of things we've already known or we already inherited. And, it, and you have to make sure that the walls don't crumble into your well. Right there, the, the, there's something that doesn't taint the, the 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 well with debris falling into it, and so there's it, it maintain. It's about maintenance of what we've already received. Right, you you have to continue to keep the well clear, but in this aspect of now going into deeper things is, what if 
that scripture that says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or no mind has comprehended the things that the Lord has got planned for him. What if we took that scripture seriously? Because there's a place that the church I don't think has ever been to before in the kingdom. And, and where this theology that entered into that was so caught up into, where's the rapture? Where's the antichrist? Let's get out of here. Let's check out. What that did is that squelched that spirit of exploration to go to the place that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has comprehended. You, you notice that it does not say, and your eye will never see, and your ear, you'll never know. It, it says, no, this no eye has yet seen. Yeah. Do, do you hear? It, it, so it's an invitation for deeper parts. And so in this place of intimacy, of identity, is you were meant to be loved, but you were also in that place of exploring. If you can't receive the love of God, you can't actually explore the depth. And that it goes into that scripture, you know, that you would know, experientially know the width, the depth, the height of the love of God for you. And, and then that's in this place of intimacy. And at the same time, I feel like what we're moving into is, it's like you said earlier, it's like, you know, um, it's not an either or proposition, on this thing. It's not war or peace, right? It's not work or rest. There, there's something in this place of we're about the Father's business, and you can't even be about the Father's business if you don't know how to be loved and how to rest in the fact that he secured you. But at the same time, the business, the family business is, it requires you doing something with it. You looking at me? Okay. I mean, I think it's okay to work out of rest. And I think that one of the mandates of this next generation of leadership in the church is to say, hey, and generation before us say, this is what work looks like, and this is what it produced. Right? And to tell, like, it, this doesn't happen by accident. If we, if we think everything's going to be imparted to us, I just want to tell you we're, we're mistaken. Impartation is part of the peace. But I grew up in a really prophetic culture, and I had all kinds of impartation. And one day I was like, God, I'm ready for this. And he said, no, you're not ready. He said, now work with what I gave you. And he's, he, I believe that's why he's got to put his gloves on us because we want to, sometimes we just want to get comfortable. And I believe that comfort is the main issue in the next generation of the church. We got to not be comfortable. We got to not teach being comfortable. We got to not pursue comfort. We actually have to pursue because Jesus said, hey, if you're going after me with everything, you will be persecuted. Y'all can tell my message is popular, right? Because what he's saying is, I, I, I haven't made you to be a people of comfort. And, and that's the danger when we get to the peace. Well, family makes me comfortable, and I'm only going to do this. But the other side of it is family gives you identity where you get out there and say, no, we're going for it. And so I believe there's an exploring that he's asking for us, like an imagination, you know, a redeemed imagination. What's it look like to go after the things of God? What's it look like to experiment? Like, we're in some experimenting right now. I'll just tell you, in the church, our church, it scares me. Like, what's it look like to, for leadership and things like that, like, that are outside of the norm? And, 
And I just keep saying, God, we just trust you. We trust you. And he says, just keep obeying. Keep obeying. But I think one of the explorations that God wants me just to talk about in here is what does heaven look like? You know, Jay already quoted it. I think Joel may have quoted it too. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? That's the key. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's where I think is the glory of this generation is to explore not what we've thought about heaven, but what heaven is actually doing. Because if we're praying for heaven to be on earth, we have to then begin to, to go in to the depths of what God is saying and doing and get into heaven and see what he's doing. Now, if I'm freaking you out, it's okay. I want to tell you, everything is biblical. Paul said, I know a man, who's him, who went to heaven. And Paul is not some gold standard. He's just saying, no, this is the standard. We should be going and seeing what heaven is doing and and exploring that. So if we have heaven's perspective on things, it makes everything easier. Because if we're praying for heaven on earth, then... You know, we begin to see, like this morning, we participated with heaven. But are we participating with heaven at home? Are we seeing what heaven is doing in our family, in our marriage, in our workplace? You know, are we just letting it be a church thing, Sunday morning thing? And I believe this. He's wanting us to explore what heaven looks like. I I. I believe it's so important. I'm going to give you an example. And this is going to freak you out, okay? Y'all good with that? Everyone else is like, no, no. But the Lord was showing me something the other day. Another well that we're digging into is we have seen tremendous amount of miracles at our place. We've had healing rooms for 13 years. We've been going after every Saturday for 13 years for miracles, and, and, we, and we've just, I mean, the truth is, we've seen the New Testament in our midst. But in the last few years, you know, like, we've had some people die of cancer. We've had some people die of COVID. Leaders, our healing room's director's husband died of COVID. Yeah, let that one sink in for a minute. And the whole church was out, the whole church was at the hospital one day just going after it. I mean, we were leading people to the Lord in the parking lot. It was amazing, but we didn't get what we were asking for. Now, please don't come up and tell me, well, you know, your prayers got answered in heaven, but he didn't get healed like God promised. So I know it's the short end is on our side, not on God's. And so we're just back in, man. I put those gloves on. like We're digging. We're digging for more healing, more breakthrough, and, and just more revelation. But more than that, who's more of the Father, more of his heart, you know, and just digging in. And so one day the Lord was just challenging me. He's like, what do you think heaven's talking about healing? I was like, I don't know. Never really thought about it. He was, how many people in heaven do you think got healed? Heaven is celebrating the nature of the Father as healer. Heaven is celebrating it right now. And so all of a sudden, I just was just in a moment, and I, I, was, I, just, I was practicing praying with my cloud of witnesses. Uh, there you go. I, and so I'm just in there and just praying with my cloud of witnesses. The scripture says we have one. 
and I want to participate with them if they're in heaven. And all of a sudden, I saw these two people getting really excited when we were praying for healing. Very excited. And I didn't know them. So I just said, who's that? And he said, it's people that you have yet to pray for that are going to get healed. And they're in heaven right now, and they're praying for you to keep digging. They're praying for you to not give up. They're praying for you to keep going after it because their healing is going to hinge on that. See, that's participating with heaven at a level that I think we haven't gone for yet. Now, if all of that just freaked you out, I want to tell you, first of all, it's all biblical. It just hasn't been taught because we haven't known how to do it. And I'm not pretending like I know how. Honestly, I just asked the Holy Spirit, show me what's going on in heaven. Yeah, you good? Hey, why don't we just close our eyes for a minute? Because I, I, don't, I don't like to prod. I like to invite. And can I just say this? I am by no means an expert in what I'm about to do. Because I'm experimenting with the Lord. But I know that he wants us to understand heaven because if we're asking for heaven to come to earth... We have to have a better perspective. So right now, just let your heart open to dig a little. See, because digging can become some metaphor that we do that we, then we don't know how to do it. Digging just means you put your action and your faith towards something. So we just ask for the revelation of heaven. Not just what we've known, what we've heard about, but what you want to show us, Holy Spirit. Angels and cherubim, seraphim. Praise, honor, glory, 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 glory. Cloud of witnesses. timelessness you're seated in heaven right now you're already seated in heaven so we, I just prophesy that faith stir up right now to see heaven and interact with God's realm his kingdom realm which is heaven. Now, I'm not just going to pray for you. I want you to ask for it. If that's something in your heart, say, oh, man, I want that so bad. Just ask him for it. Ask him to go on a journey. Go on a journey with Papa.
Lord just told me to share a testimony of what this can look like. Because one of the desires we have here is um, we don't want to propagate an old pattern that would be like, ooh, let's come tell you a bunch of cool stories about what we've seen, right? right? And, and there's nothing wrong in telling a testimony. But sometimes when we do conferences or, or church, we're just, it's almost like puffing up the experience, but not, and I like the word Tim used, inviting you into the experience. Um, I, I just feel like the Lord said to remind you is there's, there's something very special about us. Yes. We're his sons. It's not the titles that we carry. It's not the positions that we hold of authority in our churches. It's the fact the thing that mo- the most special thing about us is we're sons. Yeah. What's the most special thing about you? You're a son or a daughter. If you're born again, say I am. Yeah. You're a son or a daughter. Yeah. Just say it. If you're a son or daughter, say I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I'm a son. I'm a son. So what are you being activated into? What are you being invited into? What does it look like to join the sons and daughters seated at the right hand of the Father, exploring together what's possible? Um, the Lord said this to stretch you a little bit. So many of you know our testimony of uh, February of 2005. We had a son who was born premature. He lived for 50 hours, and then he passed his name's Andrew Dean, means strong leader. And so um, Mia Nolan's uh, spiritual papa was here a couple of years ago. And uh, he has a lot of heavenly encounters and stuff. And at the very end of service, he laid hands on me, and I just dropped like a sack of potatoes on the floor. And I woke up in heaven. And um, there is, like, you know, like some of the older, more formal houses that would have a sitting room to the side. You enter into it, and here's where you would put your guests or whatever, and then you would come in, and you would actually sit down and meet with them. And so I woke up in, like, a sitting room in, in the side, and I came off the floor, and here comes walking Jesus in the room. I know it's Jesus. And this young man is walking with him, prime of life. And immediately I go, oh, there's a strong leader, because my spirit knew that was my son, Andrew. And, and Jesus goes, yes. He is a strong leader. And um, in my heart in that moment, I thought about, man, the earth is missing strong leaders. And for a moment, I started to get mad again. I dealt with the grief of it. I started to get mad again going, man, Lord, like oh, the, 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 the enemy robbed the earth of an amazing young man. And immediately my son goes, no, dad. I'm exactly who I've always been, and I'm doing exactly what I'm called to do on eternity. So good. So good. But he says, you are called to be a strong leader. The earth is not missing something because you're there. Paul's verse, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. He says, man, it would be so much better for me to get there, but it's better for you that I'm here. So I began to explore what does this look like and, and had some other encounter with, with the Lord that, that was very personal. But I just I want to tell you in this, this place of, um, a second ago, y'all were kind of laughing at me because it looked like I was going out. It was not because I'm drunk in the spirit. 
It's because I'm putting into practice what we're talking about. If, if I'm exploring, how can I be seated with him in heavenly places and simultaneously still be aware of where I'm sitting on the earth? If it means as it is in heaven here on the earth, I'm the, my body's the connection point to where my spirit's at in the earth, and there should be the, the, the la- Jacob's ladder, the supernatural heaven going up and down, up and down, up and down, because I'm a lightning rod. There, there's a connection point. Does that make any sense? Um, and so I just, I'm going to challenge you. This is not because we're apostles. I don't care about that. I really don't. Okay? We want you today to walk away going, in my prayer time at home with my kids, I can become a connection point to, to, from heaven to earth. You can explore today. Don't, don't do yourself a disservice by saying, oh, that was fun or that was interesting or that was weird. I want you to walk out of here going, what about me? And then step into, wait a minute, no, I can. Can I just for a second? So, can I? I don't know, we'll see. So, so as you're hearing this, you're like, okay, well, like, the, the striver in me has been in conversations like this before and thinking, how do I achieve that? Right? right? Like, uh, like, what do I have to do? How spiritual do I have to come? Do I have to become an enlightened one? And we start getting into all sorts of weird, like, how hard, right? He, Hebrews 6.19 says that our anchor is Jesus and he holds beyond the veil. So he, here's what that means for you and for me. That Jesus is the one that we're tethered to, and he is already in the Holy of Holies, right? He is in the throne of God. So so what that means is is that you don't have to work hard to get into, like, the spiritual realm or heavens or what we're talking about, but you actually have direct access to it. That's why uh, Ephesians 2, 6, Tim was alluding to this earlier, says that we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Not we will be, but we already currently are. It's our current reality. Then if you go to John 3, where, where Jesus is talking about uh, eternal life, you see, we, we've made John 3 about going to heaven when we die, but that's never the conversation. The question is, when are we going to see the kingdom? And Jesus' response was that you have to be born again to see the kingdom. And then he goes on in verse, I think it's 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. He says, nobody has been to heaven but the one who is seated there now. Most translations actually take that out because they don't know how to deal with us being on earth and in heaven at the same time. But the reality is, is that you and I, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're already brought into heaven. We're brought into that reality that isn't a far off distant reality when we die, but it's the current reality that we exist in. The sad thing is, is that you and I live most of our lives unaware of the reality that we already have. And so we don't go to heaven when we die. We already exist there. Amen. We just become more realize, we realize it because our body's then dead and we're not thinking here. We're just thinking there. But the invitation of heaven is to actually exist there now Amen. and to recognize where we are and what we have access to. And from that place is what Tim was talking about. We bring heaven to earth, right? So, so we, then it's like, oh, well, what's God up to, right? Like the world is, is full of problems that need a heavenly solution, right? 
Let me say this. They don't need a political solution. Preach it. They need a heavenly solution. Right? Like it's not a, it's, it's not a left or right problem. It's a heavenly solution that needs to be brought into it. And we can't surrender ourselves to a left or right solution. We have to surrender ourselves to a heavenly solution. Are you with me? And so if not, then we'll participate with the divide. But when we begin to participate with heaven, we actually participate with the unification because he's actually making everything one. That's crazy good. No, really. Amazing. See, if we understand that, then it removes everything being weird. But... See, people that have tapped into it for generations of people experiencing heaven, going after it, the ones they write books about, is because they knew it was their normal. They knew it was their normal, but man's tendency, even the church's tendency, unfortunately, is when people are doing something new or experimental, they push them up and say, only this person gets to do it. But we're in the generation that we all get to do it. Listen, I grew up in the man of God generation. Anyone knows that generation? The man of God prayed for your kids when they were sick. The man of, you've got to bring them to the man of God. You know, like the man of God, we just got to get the man of God to the hospital. Like we actually are rejecting that at our place. Like anybody can pray. Everybody can pray. Actually, our kids have seen more miracles than the man of God. My, my daughter has seen more miracles than I have at 20 years old. Because when we, she was little, we told her, you got the stuff. And she believed us. And kids have better belief systems. So hopefully they keep them when they're adults. So what I want you to see is, I'm going to go back to the word invitation. And if I'm not trying to like, tell stories. To, like, I'm sorry, this is just my life. Like, I, I try, I've tried to hide it for a long time. It's like, oh, just get up there and preach the word. But, but even when it comes out of me, it's like, hey, let's go do something new and different. Because I'm very big pragmatic. Like, what we've been doing hasn't worked to win the world. We haven't had harvest in America in three generations. And we wonder why America is voting incorrectly or poorly and this is not political. It's just it's a fact. Like We need harvest. We need harvest for, for America to turn their hearts back to God. Like we we got to have people get saved, transformed, radically transformed. And guess who that's on? Not on us. It's on us. We're the workers in the vineyard. You're the workers in the vineyard. We are. Listen, I'm doing my part. I, I'm, I'm, I'm discipling my neighbors. has nothing to do with church. The Lord told me, like, hey, if you're not winning your neighbors, you can't preach about it. So this week, I'm having dinner with my neighbors. They're in my house. We're talking about the Lord. One of them's like, this kind of makes me uncomfortable. Keep talking. That's exactly what he told me this Thursday. Because he was asking me questions, and I'm answering honestly. Why? He's looking for laborers. And he's looking for, the, for you to say yes to the invitation. 
I think it's the, we're in the, a glorious generation of the church to take away the man of God syndrome. Will we have leaders? Will we have apostles? Will we have prophets? Yes, you'll see them functioning in their grace. But they won't be exalted. They'll be honored. It's a big difference. And, but we want to honor the gifts that are in you. We need you. I, I see Flynn. I know Flynn. I'm just going to pick on him because I know him. See, he has a whole sphere of people that I don't have. But for generations, the church is like, to win Flynn's sphere, I've got to introduce the man of God into it. I want to tell you, the man of God in that sphere is Flynn. Because he's the son of God in that place. And sons and daughters are the ones who catch harvest. And so just look at your life. Look at your life. Where's the harvest? Here's the key. If we have harvest, we'll have new wine. Let me just give you a cycle. Harvest grapes get crushed, make juice. Juice gets in the Holy Spirit, turns into new wine. We, we've had a new wine problem in the church because we've had a harvest problem. Now I'm going to tell you a crazy little story, and then we'll launch off into factories. Is that good real quick? Like, yeah, we good? Yeah. Go ahead. I, I feel like, and we can do this in a minute because I think it involves you, but, but I feel like there's a handful of evangelists in the room who don't know it. In fact, I, I felt like the Lord said, this is a house of evangelists. It doesn't mean that this is just what you do is this house, but there are several of you that have an incredible grace for evangelism that has to be awakened yep. and that you need to know that you carry it. In fact, what's your name? George. George, George you're, you're one of them. Big time. In fact, I, I was watching, as Tim earlier was talking about evangelism, your face lit up several times because the spirit in you knew that's what I'm called to. And I feel like God's breaking off a fear of man. And he's saying you have what it takes. And here's, here's the key. Here's why, why family is really important because we get our identity from intimacy but also from family. Family becomes the place that we come back to when we get our rears kicked. Right? And it reminds us who we are so that we can go back out and we're not looking for the world to tell us who we are because so many of us are living like orphans and we're trying to find our mommies and daddies out there in the world to tell us who we are. And so we can't ever be who we were called to be because we're actually supposed to be a light in the world, not a reflection in the world. Right, and so we're reflecting the world back to it because we don't know who we are. And so, George, God is ripping the fear of man off of you. Here's what I love about the kingdom. Because we're all one, we all get to participate. And so right now, the Lord's serving something up on George's plate that's really significant. But if that's for you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and stand. If you feel like, hey, I know that I have a call of evangelism, but it's been hidden underneath the fear of man, people pleasing, wanting to be liked, and I just feel like God wants to break that off of you right now. Go ahead and stand if that's you. George, if, if I'm wrong, you can stay seated, but I don't think I am. Not 
Hey, just real quick on the fear of man. The key is to know that you're the righteousness of God. Because it says that the righteous are as bold as lions. So it's got nothing with like drumming up your own natural strength to overcome the fear of man. It's like, wait a minute. I am the righteousness of God. What's that mean? I have the solution for the person standing in front of me. It's Jesus. He's in me. You're awesome. I love it. You go, Joel. Real quick. One of the keys to this is what when Tim was talking about discipling his neighbor, and his neighbor says, I'm uncomfortable, but tell me more. Ecclesiastes says he placed eternity in every person's heart. So what are you appealing to as an evangelist? The, the deep-rooted desire to fully become who they were meant to be in eternity and drawing that out. Yeah, I want to pray for you. and just Actually, I feel like Tim's supposed to pray just that evangelist and fear of man off of you. Are you right with that, Tim? I want to give you the, uh, a couple because we have to be intentional to walk it out. Like, like sometimes we think, well, I got this thing happened to me, this impartation, this whatever. Now I'm going to be totally different, and I don't even have to try. But we actually have to develop new rhythms of life. And so what I want you to do is, is maybe when you're not listening to us in a few minutes or when you go home, to go ahead and just in your phones start writing down some names of people who you know who are far from God, whether they've ever given their lives to them or they've been in church, but write and begin to pray for them daily. And then take the two or three places that you know that you have favor. Maybe it's the workplace, maybe it's the classroom, maybe it's your neighborhood, and begin and put those in your phone or on your journal or whatever, on your refrigerator, and begin to pray for those daily. Because what will happen is two things. One, God will begin to move your heart for them, and he'll give you love and insight into the lives there, those people, and all of a sudden you'll, you'll be able to join his heart for those people in those places, and what they think about you comes way down the list to what God thinks about them. And so then begin to pray, and what you'll watch is God shift your heart, and you won't go in like a bulldozer trying to blow everything up and convince people in arguments, but you'll actually have a heart for them. You'll love them, and you'll see transformation. You'll know what God's doing and how to enter into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you don't have to be standing to make that your practice, but just begin. I've, I've got it in my phone. Pray every day for these people in my lives that are far from God. And what you'll see, I, you'll see in the next 30 days a harvest that will blow your minds. So good. How many ready? Hey, everyone in the room gets it. But the ones standing are going to be the first fruits. Because I, I believe that's a, that evangelism is the work of the body of Christ. Evangelists are to equip. But they have to model. Have to model. Why Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. He was not a fivefold evangelist. Here's what I want you to believe now. Because how many know what you believe is what you become? In Philippians 2, 15, 16, it says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. 
So just put your hands out. I want you to see that you have the words of life. You have the words of life. Peter told Jesus, where else can we go? You have the words of life. You have the words of life. For those that, that God is putting in your mind, in your spirit right now, you have the words of life. So the lie that says you don't have anything to offer, we break that off right now. The lie that says, I don't know what to say. It's not about what you say. It's about who you are and who you give away. So we now just, we, we, we bless you with Holy Ghost boldness to believe. Not to blow up a room, to believe, to believe, to believe, to believe that everyone that comes in contact with you is asking for the words of life. And God's going to show you when they're ready, when he's made them ready. So we just bless everyone standing here right now with courage, courage. And where you've been discouraged, we say courage, courage, courage. Some of you are believing for your family members right now as you're standing. I want to say to you, courage to believe again. Courage to go after it again. Courage, courage, courage in Jesus' name. Just real quick, I just wanted to, how many of you even standing or sitting are believing for someone that, I mean, like, you're sitting here right now and someone is going through your mind, like, they got to have the, they got to have a breakthrough, salvation. Yeah? Come on, just lay them before the Lord right now with courage to believe. The courage to say, I, be, I believe it's, they're going to have breakthrough. I tell you this because we've literally been doing this and have had people texting in, are you praying for me right now? Something's going on. The courage to believe that it's their time. I see specifically too in this room, there's some, those that are young. And I would say what Paul told Timothy is don't let people despise your youth you're no less powerful because you're young he's actually going to give you longevity he's starting you sooner you're actually the answer of harvest because because you've inherited something younger and are stepping into a harvest he's actually i just feel very strongly he's he's giving you guys the shoulders to actually carry something beyond a generation that will be dead but you guys will see like your great-grandchildren. I just hear it specifically. Is you'll actually live to see your great-grandchildren in the spirit in this aspect of carrying on harvest and revival and awakening in the earth and what it's going to require. That whole fear of man was important. But what I heard the Lord say is don't fear yourself. Sometimes the man that we fear is the one that we think is within. And the reality is, is your, your daughters, your sons, you live according to that. Okay. Yeah. Have a seat. Yeah. Then we're going to go after something here for everyone just to...
receive. How many want to come out of here with something bold and fresh today? David prayed, not, not the David in the Bible, Jay's David, came and prayed with us this morning. He said, I pray that we receive everything that heaven wants to do in here today. And I was like, let the, let the prayer of youth be full of faith. And so I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then we're going to go after something here. Uh, this, this month, I've been in contact with one of our, uh, some of our leaders, and we were in a text feed. How many know God can use anything? And we were trying to type the word factories, I mean, victories, and we were talking about God's wanting to give us new victories. And every time in the text feed, it would autocorrect to the word factories, And I would, and everyone was like, ha-ha, victories. And then it would do it again the next time it would be at factories. Finally, I felt the Holy Spirit said, I'm trying to show you something. And he speaks to me funny. He's like, don't be dumb. <laughs> like, I'm showing you something here, literally. And I just start reading through the text feed. And every time we're trying to say the word victories, he was saying factories. I'm saying factories. Because... We've celebrated victories in the church, but we haven't become factories. Factories. And what's that mean? The ability to reproduce what God has given. The ability to, to have so much output that it meets the supply-demand chain. And the church hasn't met the demand that the earth, the earth is putting on us to be full of the glory of God. And he's saying, I need factories not just victories. The truth is it raised my faith level even in that conversation. I said, we will be factories of victory. And we all just started laughing. And then the crazy thing is I feel such great faith that he's looking for you to become a factory. He doesn't want you just to have wine. He wants you to have a wine press in your life that creates the new wine. It's interesting, the first thing they did when they dug a vineyard is they also dug a wine press because they were expecting wine. He's expecting factories. And like Joel said, I, Joel's such a good balance to me. I'm not, I don't want you to strive to be a factory. You are a factory. You just have to believe it. We don't have a, a gift problem. We don't have... Uh, we have an identity problem in the church that doesn't believe that you, you are who God says you are. And your factories, your factories to reproduce. How many of you have a testimony? I don't mean just the one about getting saved. Like, how many of you are living in testimony? Breakthroughs, victories. How many of you have victories in Christ? They're to create factories in your life. Where all of a sudden that same victory is happening again and again and again and again. That's why, I mean, I mean, we've been so dull. Like people have breakthrough and healing and then they have the ability to pray for healing. Why? Because God's saying, I don't want you to have a moment of healing. I want you to be a factory. People have a breakthrough and deliverance. I don't want you just to have this testimony that's 30 years old that I got set free from a whole bunch of demons. I want you to go stomp on the head of the devil everywhere you go. 
See, that's what factories do. You got something? Yeah, well, it goes into the freely receive, you freely give. Of course. Right? Um, we, when we were talking, I think I want to touch on the wineskin, too, because I think it's important. Sometimes we hear factory and we begin to think, well, we've got to construct a wineskin in order to fill, fill the wine, for the wine to go. And we think it's our responsibility to build the wineskin, and it's not. It's not. We're, we're actually called to dig become the wine, and in this process, the Lord is actually constructing us into a place of becoming a wineskin for him to pour out. But I think you had a pretty good revelation. Would you just touch on that real quick before we move into the next part of the factory, the The, wineskin? Yeah, just remind me what we talked about. We talked for a long time on Friday. Well, no, just why we've been, previous previous history. I think that in the church, how many of you grew up in the church? See, I grew up in the church. Like, I've been to more church than all of you, maybe combined. My dad was a traveling minister, so he did like five, six nights a week church, and I was ready to run from the church. Why? Because the church wasn't changing the world. The church and the Bible I wasn't seeing, and we heard so much teaching on wineskins, wineskins, wineskins. Listen, wineskins are all about the wine. It's all about the wine. The Holy Spirit said, I will take care of the wineskins. I have created, you are a wineskin. I've created you to carry wine. The whole story is about wine, not wineskins. Jesus said, no, they wouldn't do that because the wine would run out. What he's saying, the wine is the precious thing. The wine of the Spirit. What I'm doing is, is I, wanna, I want you to be carrying wine. I'll take care of the wineskin. You be making sure that you have wine. And something I'm saying in our place is, like, we're not going to ration the wine. Give it away. Because we're going to have wine presses or factories of wine to begin to, to always be living in new wine. New wine. It's all about the wine. It's easier to make it about the wineskin. Well, when I'm ready to hold it all, when I don't leak, you know, when I'm, no, stop. The Holy Spirit has created you to carry wine. And when there's new wine, he'll make you bigger. But he's saying, hey, I need wine presses or factories. I don't want you just to hold the wine. I want you to give it away. Don't ration. It's been an interesting thing to watch in the body of Christ. When we get something, we hold on to it because we don't want to lose it. When in the kingdom, the only way... To still possess it is to give it away. The kingdom has such weird math. Like you want to you wanna hold on to something, give it away, and it'll, it'll come back to you more. So that, I think that's what we talked about, right? No, 100% yeah. right. Because I feel like we're, we're talking about something. When you, if you hear the word factory, the, the, the religious way of thinking about it would be, oh, so we have to reproduce, me- reproduce methodology. Right. Well, so the the you know Azuzu Street, they did it like this. So therefore, we have to do it like this. Like we're just reproducing, and that's not what he's looking to reproduce in this place. And so, as we're pressing in, you become a unique expression of the wine that's being poured out, and as you're being pressed down into it. So it's not about reproducing methodology. It's actually about continuing to in this this reproduction of the of the victories. It's more becoming more fully who God created you to be. 
right? And so as we look about this, this is why a lot of times we get frustrated with the church or denominations and why there's people out there who, who are preaching more about deconstructing the church than they are about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they got offended by a wineskin. They got offended by religion. And so therefore go, well, we got to tear, tear it down. And they in, inadvertently begin to actually tear down the body of Christ. And be, well, just because you have a church building, well, therefore, uh, we've got to tear this thing down. God wants to do something different. He's not doing church as usual. And we begin to kind of use some of this phrasing because we're actually trying to get away from something that was actually methodology and it had nothing to do with the wine skin or the wine. Does that makes sense? The wine. And, and so now it's this invitation about why can, why can I honor them? They're, the way they process wine, I'll just hit this real quick, is they refine the oil of God differently than I do. And thank God they do. Right? Why? Because they're unique in who they are. And you need to be able to combine this. I'm going to move from wine to oil because it's the same thing. Okay? Is, is how many people do essential oils? Okay, so, so you, you mix the oils together to get a different property or different fragrance or a different thing, right? What, what is that? It, it's, it's how we individually are processing and we're digging a wine press. We're in, in the way you get oils the same way you get wine, you begin to press down and the oil begins to, to squeeze out, right? And so as we're doing this, but we have to exchange it together in order to be able to get the fullness of heaven. We started this service with saying we want to know what heaven actually looks like, not just a picture of heaven, right? And so, so we're in this place ago, and a few years ago, I won't, I won't go into the full vision of it, but, but I had an encounter talking about how the Lord was redigging wells of revival all across the planet. And then in the place of, as we redug wells into a unified singular reservoir of oil, which I think is heaven, then I saw that there was refineries that began to pop up up and I down 35. So Legacy Church is a refinery within New Braunfels. Sozo, Hill Country, there are refineries in, in San Marcos. There's other churches in this area. And, and then immediately I had this vision of a pipeline being laid up and down I-35 corridor. And I asked the Lord, I said, well, if we're, going, if we're drawing from heaven, we're drawing from the same source, why is it that we have to have the pipelines? And he just said, because you each refine my oil differently. And the danger will begin is you think that you've got the market, you become king of the mountain on what the oil looks like or what the wine looks like, and you don't need other people. And all of a sudden we have divided churches. It's saying, saying, I know in part and I prophesy in part. I know part of the oil. I know partly what heaven looks like. But what I need is I need this man and I need this man for us to come together because I want to see the fullness of heaven and what it looks like. So as you're becoming factories, what you're doing is you're realizing, it's like, man, I'm responsible for how I process. But I've got to exchange it with the others in my life. That's why it's family business. In family, we do business. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go? You want to do impartation? What do you want to do? Because I feel like we're at a place of hunger. How many people are hungry in the room this morning? Amen. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Holy Spirit, we want to, we don't want to do business as usual. We want to do business as you are doing it right now in this moment.
I just want to break a lie off of you. That somehow you don't have what you need. Like as we were talking, if I can go back into encounters and spiritual, like knowing God, seeing God, all that kind of stuff. I think so often we hear stories and think that we don't have that. But instead, God's already deposited it in us. And we're wired differently in that. So I sometimes just know some stuff, and I have to trust that my knowing is there. I may not see it. Like, I, I haven't ever seen with my eyes in the spiritual realm. I've got friends that do. I trust that's real. I ask God for that. But I just have to know that I've got it. And I feel like God is just in that way waking us up to the spiritual reality that we already exist in and that he's actually given you what you need to exist in that. Amen. There's nothing wrong with you. Yes. Yes. you. You lack nothing. Psalm 23, when the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And God's wanting you to trust what he's already deposited in you. And the more that you trust it, you actually get to refine it in a way that you can give it away, that it becomes impartable. And so then it's like I realized I just know some things. Like I just, I just knew about George. And, I, and there's some other ways that God speaks to us and he uses our imagination, all of our senses. Your senses, by the way, were given to you from God to be sensitive to him. When we hand them over to other sensualities, we miss what he wants to do to our senses. And I just want you to know that God, he's, he's doing something already in you that's overflowing out of you. It's the, it's the oil wells and the reservoirs that he's tapping into. And I love impartation. I think we're about to go there because some of you, God wants to give you some fresh oil from somebody else. But he also wants you to cherish what you already produce. And some of us, it, it's become so familiar that we don't value it. That we don't respect it. It's like God's, your heart's beating for something. You're like, well, I, maybe that's just me. What if we changed our thinking and said, maybe that's God? So good. Just when Joel was talking, I just heard the scripture in Luke 15. Don't you know that everything I have is yours? Luke 15. Don't you know that everything I have is yours? He's speaking to the older son who had a heart problem that he didn't think that he, he didn't understand the father. Don't you know that everything I have is yours? And then it's from that place that, that Paul writes in Ephesians, or in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. He says, we've mistranslated it. It says, eagerly desire the spiritual. It doesn't say desire spiritual gifts, though that's not wrong. It actually says, eagerly de desire the spiritual. Because what God's saying is, I, I want you to live in this reality that you're going after the revelation of what you already have in your account. It's already in your inheritance. Yeah. And so now, now you can go after it. And some of us have been taught that going after the spiritual or 
even spiritual gifts which exist in the realm of the spiritual, that somehow we would pursue spiritual gifts instead of pursue God. But actually, to pursue spiritual gifts is part of your pursuit of God. To pursue the spiritual is actually part of your pursuit of God. And so God's got some stuff that he wants to, to let you lay hold of. You see, it's, the, the lack isn't on God's end. It's like the healing thing Tim was talking about. It's actually, we have everything in Jesus, but our revelation is growing. And some of us need to grow in revelation of what we already have access to. And some of us need to experience what we already have access to. So here's what we're going to do. We're, we want to honor our children's ministry time, the, our leaders that are over there and teaching too. And so we're going to do a group impartation. But what I want to do is, it, before I have you stand up, I want you to consider carefully standing up. Don't, don't treat this as, oh, this is what everybody does. Uh, the Lord's going to take you, what I heard very seriously is, like the Lord's saying, he's going to seriously take your standing up and your yes. And he's asking you to take your yes just as serious as he sa- takes it. There's a grace to step into something, right? No pressure. But don't stand up if you're not willing to fully explore what God has. I want to leave you with this, this visual picture as you're standing there. Just by you standing up, we're not going to come lay hands on you. Because in your yes, the Lord put his hand on you. And the reality is, before the foundation of the earth, he'd already put his hand on you. He says, because I knew you before I knit you in your mother's womb. I knew from the perspective of eternity who you were supposed to be. I knew you where you would be born. I knew the trials you'd go through. I knew it all. And I chose you. You are a chosen people, a chosen race. And part of exploring is being willing to go where you've never gone before. And I just got this picture of the people of Israel getting to the Jordan River. And there's these scrolls, there's this reminder from Abraham that was passed down that says, here is the property, here's the promised land, here's how far it is, here's how many acres it is, there's a mountain over here, and there's lakes and rivers over here, there's fish over here, there's, there's actually going to be deer over here, like there's this, like this, he, he laid it out fully, he already delineated what the promised land looked like for the people of Israel. But can you imagine if the people of Israel had gotten up to the Jordan River, and they crossed over, And they spent the rest of their life only living on the first five acres of a promised land. Never, ever tasting and touching and exploring what God said was available. See, there's too many in the body of Christ that says, well, yeah, I know all the promises. Everything the Father has is mine. But you've never explored it. Caleb knew the mountain because he had explored it as a spy. And he dreamt about it for 40 years. Give me the hill country. I don't care if there's giants there. Give me the hill. That's my land. That's my territory. Because he had explored it 
And he stewarded it for 40 years before he was able to set ground, foot on the ground again. And so what I want to release over you is just this impartation of a hunger and a thirst to explore the fullness of your promised land. It's unique to you. Nobody else can take the promise that God has designed for you. It's not for anybody else. Your name is on it. So if you don't grab a hold of it, no one will. We need you. We need you. The body of Christ needs you. It's a, it's a true revelation that, that you're needed in the body of Christ. It's the beauty of releasing us from the man of God syndrome. You're needed. There's harvest that only you can pick. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing fresh fire. That you're depositing a revelation of your love for us that fuels everything. We want to be hungry for you. We want more of you. Thank you for the invitation to be co-laborers. You just get to go to work with that. I feel like we're supposed to, to, I don't know, it's not wind down, but just sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. So go there with me. See, it's in this place of the presence of God that you discover how to fully become everything he's made you to be. You discover everything he said about you. This is the first place of expiration. So heaven come, the fullness of heaven come, expand our walls and our territory, God, that you would expand our tent pegs, that you would move back, Lord God, every hindrance, every barrier, even previous places where we were supposed to put a boundary line, expand our boundary lines. And we just ask for this city. We ask for our families. Lord, let a revival and awakening flow. Here's what the Holy Spirit's saying. If, if parents, if you've got kids, I want you to go grab them and bring them in here. 
And, and the reason being is the ones we're going to pray over, lay hands on, are going to be your kids. I just heard him say to make a deposit in the youngest generation. If you need to be able to go, you're free to go, but we're just going to let Cornelius, you continue to play. And we're just going to pray over these kids as they come back in. Kids, come in. Just go ahead and come on up here. Parents, if you want to bring them up, so if they feel a little bit more courage, you can do that. Um, we're going to pray over it. And here's what I felt like the Lord said. I just kept getting this picture of, Israel, of uh, Jacob, which is Israel, at the end of his life. And, and uh, he, he tells Joseph, bring me your, your sons, which would have been his grandkids. And then also the other, the 10 sons of Jacob gathered around Jacob. So there was 12. And he laid hands on, and there's an impartation of grace and inheritance. And what I, what I heard the Lord say is that th this is going to be a, a definitive sign that the previous generation, the previous way of doing things, that, that shift is actually dying so that we can step into the reality of a family called Israel. Let me hear you say the family. The family. And so as we pray over these kiddos, kiddos, you may not have any idea about what, what's happening here, and it's okay. But what we're going to do is we're going to release to you. Look how many kids we got. Jeez. Shoot. Man. <laughs> the name of this house is Legacy. <sighs> so we're just going to pray, and we're just going to go from there. So we're just, Joel, Tim, let's just spread out and get the kids. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.